Good morning. My name is Paul Moore, the pastors here. Thrilled that you are with us. If you have a Bible, open to the book of Ephesians. Uh, if you don't have a copy of the scriptures with you, we're going to put the text up on the screen there for you. If you have missed uh, portions or like big parts of what we've been doing in the book of Ephesians, you have missed a lot. And uh, we've only gone through three chapters, but I feel like there's just been a lot that we've gone through. You can go back and listen to what we have taught through and kind of worked through. Uh, if you go to redemptionaz.com, click on the Gilbert Congregation, you can see the past sermons, past uh, messages and teachings there. But, um, but there's just so much that has happened already in the first three chapters. Uh, so Paul writes this letter uh, to this brand new group of believers, this brand new group of Jesus followers after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this little city at Ephesus. And in the first three chapters, he's really turned everything kind of upside down for it. He's really turned it right side up, honestly. Um, but, but he has said that this relationship that we have with Jesus, it's changed our identity. It's, so it's changed who we are. It's changed what we have. It's changed what we're all about. And all of this is changed radically in the person of Jesus Christ. He said, you are loved. You are adopted. You have a forgiveness in, with God. You're made brand new in Christ. There's a place at the table. God has done immeasurably more. There's just a ton that Paul has told us already, and he's kind of taken the long road around to give us all that stuff. And so now we're going to get into the second half of the book, and as the door kind of swings open on chapter 4, Paul is saying is because of what has already happened to you, because of what you already have in Christ... Now I want you to walk that out. Now I want you to live like that. Paul's saying, because you are a saint, because of what Jesus has done on your behalf, now I want you to start living and acting like a, a saint. Because of what you already have in Christ, walk out what you have in Christ because of that relationship with Jesus. And what Paul's saying is, look, this relationship that you have, you're, you're born into a family. You've been adopted into a family, and you need to live in and out of that family. So in our home, uh, with our kids, we have this conversation a lot. In our family, we, right? So parents, you may have had this, or maybe this is bringing back some flashbacks for some of you. Like, in our family, we talk like this, or we don't talk like that. Or in our family, we treat each other like this. And we have these regular moments where we kind of interrupt uh, what our kids are, are doing and make these teaching moments kind of all Like, this is what it's like to be in our family, because we want our kids to know, like, hey, you didn't just show up here, like, out of nowhere. We, we had something to do with that, and because of that, like, there are expectations on you. There's a way that we be and live in, in the world. And I understand that sometimes that can go good and that can go bad. But if you think from God's perspective, who is a perfect father, the scripture tells us, and he's perfect in his love for us, and he's invited us by birth and faith into, in Christ into his family, Paul's saying, look, this is how we do things in this family and, and who you are. Um, if God's salvation is as good as it is, and we believe that it is, this is how we should live. So by chapter 4, we know God's changed my life, but we also know that he's also linked me up with others' uh, changed lives to form this thing called the church, this living, breathing organism called the church. And the church is the way that God is going to be glorified on earth, made much of on earth, and the way that he wants the world to see who Jesus is. And Jeremy, last week, he talked about these gifts that have been given to the church for the church so that the church would be built up, so that we would be mature, so that we would no longer be 
infants that are tossed back and forth. And when the scripture is talking about those gifts, it's talking about the way that the spirit works in and through a person for the good of the community. And he's saying, look, I'm giving all these gifts to the church so people will be built up uh, and, and they'll be serving one another. So that brings us to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 14. We only have three verses this morning. Um, 14, 15, and 16. Let me read this together. We'll pray and ask God just to help us through all of this. Paul says this, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, he says, Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head That is Christ. He's speaking of Jesus there. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's pray. Just ask God to help us with this, um, these brief moments uh, here in his word. Father, thank you for the freedom that we have in you because of Christ Jesus. God, it's one thing for us to sing about it, to lift our voices to it. God, it's a, it's a whole other thing for us to live in and out of it. And so, God, I pray um, that you would teach us in this moment to be free in who you've called and designed for your kids to be. God, that we would be free um, in, your, in your family to live lives that make much of you. And God, prove just how sweet the salvation is that we have in and through and because of your son, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, would you help us now? Would you, would you speak to us? Would you teach us? And God, would you help us to, to listen? God, would you apply it to um, our very hearts? God, let it change our minds, our way of thinking. God, ultimately, uh, let it change the way that we live. Jesus, this moment is always and only about you. Um, and I pray and ask all these things in your name. Amen. So what Paul is saying here is he's saying a mature faith, a growing faith, a growing confidence in God is evidenced or proved by truth and love. Those are the, the hallmarks there that should be seen. They should be evident. Paul's teaching us to become mature so that we're not carried away by erroneous or false teaching. He says, look, if you're immature, you're tossed back and forth. You're, you're easily deceived, he says. In verse 14, Paul's picturing this person who doesn't know where to go to find truth, uh, and, and, and they're constantly being led astray. And, and, and Paul's saying, part of the reason that I've given these different roles and leadership to the church is so that they would keep reminding you of who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ. Because Paul is facing these voices that were coming in and they were trying to complicate the simplicity of the gospel. They were trying to distort the gospel and trying to detract people and distract people from the gospel. And he's saying, look, when we keep it about Jesus, when we keep centered on the fullness of Christ and who he is in our lives, it keeps us from being bounced back and forth from all these different voices and all these different teachers. And, and the picture there is like, like if you've ever been kind of caught in this like swirling motion, he says that's 
what it's like when you listen to these outside voices, when you listen to these other voices. It's like being stuck in a whirlwind. And, and he's saying, if, if you would keep your eyes on Jesus, who is the head? And that's one of the things that teaching and pastoring is supposed to do, is to kind of help you keep your eyes focused on, on Jesus. It allows us to become mature so that we can get out of the whirlwind, so that we can get out of the teaching and the deceitfulness and the cunning of men. And he says, as opposed to being this person who's tossed back and, and forth, he says in verse 15, instead, um, you should be speaking the truth in love. Now, the, the verb's kind of difficult to translate in English because what the idea, what it literally means, is truthing in love. Truthing in love. Paul says that's how you should be living with one another. You should be truthing in love, which it has this idea of maintaining truth in love, in speech, and in life, meaning you are living your life in a truthful way. You're walking in a truthful way. So it's, it's not just speaking truth, which with some of us, that's kind of our favorite thing to do is just walk around and speak truth and point out truth. And he says it's, it's really more than that, it, it, it's, but actually doing truth, doing true things. What does the scripture say is true of how I should live my life? It's engaging that. He says that's the place where growth for a follower of Jesus is maximized. So speaking the truth is, is talking about having the right doctrine, that truth there, and then in love means having the right spirit or attitude. So I have the right thing to say. I know the right thing from God's word. I have the right truths about God, realities about who God is, and I'm going to display them or share them with the right spirit and the right attitude. And we should have a great love of truth, and we also ought to do the truth, but we must do the truth in love, because truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. So Paul's connecting these things together, and they're not at opposite ends of the spectrum. They they're really are tethered together, tied together. The, the, the importance of truth, I mean, as, as Christians, as Jesus people, we are truth people. The truth is important to us. The gospel is the word of truth. We are to speak and to live out the truth. We are to worship in truth. Worship is telling the truth about God. So when we start our gatherings together here on a Sunday or a midweek thing or when we're together and we have this element of singing and worship and praise, it's not just because we're not creative enough to think of something else to do, but, but we need to remind ourselves uh, true things about God and it is part of our God-given opportunity and responsibility to sing and to sing true things back to God, telling God who he is through these songs. Uh, our times of confession with one another, it's about telling the truth about ourselves. So truth matters. Truth matters. And Paul says truth matters in the context of love. And that word love there is this, this word agape. You, you've heard that in church probably a, a bunch of times, but it, it talks about this unconditional, sacrificial love. Um, it's the love that God is. It's the love that God has for his people. It's, it's a love that's empowered by the Spirit, and it's a love that's activated by your will. It's a choice that you make. It's not based on your feelings. You're like, well, I don't feel like loving them, or I don't feel like uh, sharing love with them right now. No, it's, it's a choice that we make make, and it's proved by our actions. Now, when we think about this idea of speaking the truth in love, it, it, it kind of carries um, probably a practice that you've had in your RC or small group, or maybe, you know, if you're part of a men's breakfast or men's ministry or prayer group or something like that, you, you've, you've kind of had it. And there are these moments where you'll pull somebody aside, you'll pull a friend aside, somebody that you love, and you said, hey, I, I've just noticed uh, this particular attitude's really been growing in you, or 
this behavior, I've noticed this kind of behavior just in your family, just as we're doing life together. And I just want to call you back to the expectations and the standards that we have, that we're supposed to be living according to, uh, according to, the, to the scriptures. And, and that is a beautiful process. It means that you are, you're setting your ego aside. It means you examine yourself first. The scripture teaches that. Uh, it means that you approach with humility and gentleness and patience. That's, that's a beautiful process. Uh, we call it accountability. You've heard that. And that's a church term, right? So accountability partner, hey, will you hold me accountable? We've had that. And, and that is great. We need that. That's necessary. But, it, but Paul is actually taking that idea a step further because what he's writing about specifically is the way that you keep others from getting tossed around and from getting distracted is by continuing to call people back to the truth about who Jesus is. And you see that in the phrase there. He says, speak the truth in love so that we will in all things grow up into Jesus, who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament, and it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So what, for Paul, what he's dialing in on here, it's like, look, it's not just about calling out sin. It's not just about calling out sin. It's actually calling them back to who Jesus is and what they have in Christ. It's not just bombing in on somebody, calling out sin, and leaving. That's a part of it. But it's calling them back to who Jesus is and what we have in him and who we are in him. And Paul says, that's what's necessary so that you'll grow up. So that you'll grow up. For something to grow, there has to be some kind of element of life in them, and they have to be enacted upon some kind of outside power. And Paul says, we're to grow up in all aspects unto Christ. And he's talking about the growth and maturity of Christians directed toward the goal of becoming like Christ. As a father, I've got three young kids. And uh, my, my son Silas is five years old, and uh, I'll, I'll always say to him, Si, I want you to grow up, I want you to be a man. I want you to grow up and be a man. So that's kind of catchy in my family, because my, my seven-year-old daughter, she gave me this card recently, and uh, she says, Dad, thank you for teaching me how to be a man, even though I'm your daughter. So um, she gets it. Yeah, she, she, she gets it. But uh, my... my my five-year-old son, he's, he's, uh, he's kind of a cute kid, and he's the baby of the family, so he gets called a lot. And I'm always telling my wife, I said, hey, listen, he, he's got to be a man. you got to stop picking him up and holding him all the time. But she, she doesn't listen to me. But, um, but see, that whole idea, like, you, you know, and, 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 and parents, parents will understand this, but when, when their kids grow up in the way um, that you desire for them to grow up in a, in a, in a healthy way, uh, in, a, in a way that honors God, that's a reflection, that's a reflection on you as a, as a parent. And, and, and so for my son to grow in a man that loves the Lord and serves others and is humble and all those things, that will be a reflection on me as a, as a father. And, and it's, the same, it's the same thing for us as God's kids. When we grow up, when we mature, we reflect ultimately our father. And, 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 and we can do marketing and we can do promotion for a church, but nothing speaks so powerfully as changed lives that are living out these changed lives. That's a phrase that's been in our, in our culture for a while. And when people see how God changes our hearts 
and the way that we walk out that change in our lives, they will notice our Father. They'll notice our Father. And that's what Paul's praying for this church. That's what we're praying for our church. He says, I want you to grow strong. I want you to be these oaks of righteousness. I want you to know how free you are. We sang about that all morning, how free we are, what we have in that freedom, how that freedom has changed our future, our lives, our, 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 our today, how loved you are, how much you have in Christ. And Paul says, in the midst of all the voices, and there's a lot of voices out there, he says, you have to stay focused on Jesus. That we live in the truth and love encountering Christ and express those qualities. We become more closely attached to Christ and more like him, and we grow. Um, when when I, I talk to other people, they find out I'm a pastor, and you know, they want to know, well, how did that happen? Uh, and then the second question is always uh, like, well, okay, you're a church, and they want to know um, specifically, well, how big is your church? How many people go to your church? Because the assumption is, or the conception is, well, if it's, if it's big, if there's more, it's growing, or it's, or it's healthy. And the more attendance that you have, the more growing your church is. But Paul gives us a different metric on how growth is measured, because he says, it, growing is defined by you growing into the person that God wants you to be. That's how you measure growth in the body of Christ. When you and I mature, the body is growing. When, when we move towards the fullness of Christ, the house of God grows. And all of us grow up as all of us grow up. All of us grow up as all of us grow. Because when we don't grow, we don't grow, we aren't growing. We can get more people, but it doesn't mean that we are growing. But when you are growing, when I am growing more and more into the fullness of who Jesus is, we then as a church, as a body, are growing. And we play our part when we stay focused on the head who is Jesus so that he'd be famous in our city and in the world. The chip, then the, and then when that happens, the church will be built up by us being strengthened and by others being added to the faith. And that's how it's always been with God's church. Paul continues in, in verse 16, and what he's teaching us there is that we cannot be mature Christians by ourselves. We can't grow up by our, ourselves. We cannot give ourselves everything we need for a life of faith or confidence in God. The entire body must be involved in the work of the body. Look at verse 16. He says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does it work. So what he's saying there is that you and I, we are ligaments in the body of Christ. So that doesn't fire a lot of people up, uh, I can tell. But, but if you've ever had a ligament blow out on you, if you've ever had ligament damage, you know how important a ligament is. I've, I've had two spinal surgeries, and the only thing kind of keeping my vertebrae, some of my vertebrae from smashing together are these ligaments. So I'm a big fan of ligaments, right? Um, in football season, we, all, we, we re listen for ACL, MCL, PCL. If I hear any of those things, that means trouble for my, for my, my team, right? We, we get it. So star running back goes out with a ligament. I mean, just one ligament and one guy changes the course of a season for a team. Because now he's not in a uniform, he's not on a field, they don't operate the way that they used to. you got 53 guys on this team, but you got one ligament and one guy that goes out, and it changes, it changes how an entire team 
operates. Ligaments don't get a whole lot of attention, right? So if you go out to the gym, no one's there working on ligaments, right? <laughs> because you, you don't care about the things that you can't see, right? No one, no one thinks about the things that are holding everything together until one of them goes out and doesn't do what it's supposed to do. But, but you, can, you can have the biggest muscles, you can be in great shape, but if your ligament says, I don't want to play anymore, you're done. You're out. And so because ligaments hold together and help joints work well, when the joints work well, the body's in full motion. Paul says, I want you to understand how important you are as a ligament in the body of Christ. Most people, they just think about church, and, and maybe this is some of your thinking in here. You think, well, okay, yeah, church is that place uh, that I'll, I'll go to, and then I'll, I'll listen to somebody talk, and then I'll, I'll leave what's for lunch, right? But the the body is, that's not how Paul views the church because that body sounds like one big mouth and a bunch of little ears. And Paul says, that's not what the body looks like. It is true some have the responsibility to preach and to, and to teach, but Paul stresses, look, every Christian is responsible to build up the church. And in Romans chapter 12, Paul's also writing about this idea here. And, and he says this in Romans chapter 12, we'll put the text on the screen for you. He says, for, the, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So Paul uses this body uh, imagery here again, and he says, as you give your life up to follow God, you'll find yourself connected to other people who have done the same in a very interesting way. When God wanted to tell us something about himself, he was wrapped in human flesh and he walked among us. He showed us what God is like in Jesus. Jesus came and, and he's what God has to say about himself, what God has to say about life, what God has to say about us. We see that in the person of Jesus. The word of God becomes flesh dwells and walks among us. And in many ways, that is what God is still up to. Because we show the world by the way that we live together and by what we express to the world, by what we value and who we serve and how we love each other, what God is like. That's a pretty, that's a pretty incredible claim on the body of Christ. Well, if that's true, and I believe it is because it's what the scripture teaches, there isn't room for this thinking of like, well, okay, I'll just kind of attend that place sometimes. I'll just show up occasionally, and, you know, I like it when that one guy talks. I don't really like the other guy talks. I, I like when they play this song or when they play these songs. Or I, I like it when it's like this or I like when they do that. It, Paul's saying, look, that whole line of thinking just really does not apply to the body of Christ. Because he's saying, you're a ligament in the body. You have an important function. If your ligament decides well, occasionally I'll show up, and occasionally I won't, you'll feel it. You have a role to play in the house of God. You're a supporting ligament in the household of God. And the body grows when every part does its work. Tim talked about summer camp. You got to see the, the video. So Tim and Tyler and myself, we each taught a couple messages there. So small, small part in, in what goes on in this four-day ministry event. So, But for, for me to be able to do my small part in this ministry, so there's 700-something people, close to 700 people, over 500 youth. Um, there's this brilliant tech team that shows up and does amazing work with lights and sound and video. Brilliant. The, the six people who all led us this morning, 
this, those six people, they, in, in very real ways, like, lead, lead the charge. So the scripture talks about that God inhabits the praise of his people. They're absolutely critical to what we do when we gather together. There's a place in the Old Testament where when going out to battle, they actually, they put all the worship leaders up front. And, and it says that the, 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 the enemy was ensnared in the praises of God, right? So they have to lead the way. There's this youth team that has two pastors, Ryan and, and, and Matt, and then they've got these three young guys that are skilled in things like tech and design and music. They're these brilliant young guys. Um, there's, an, there's an admin uh, that helps them. There's like a logistics Jedi. She's got to put all these million kind of details together. There's a dad's crew of filled with like 50-something volunteers. Um, the small group leaders, there's 70 or so of them that take whatever Tim or Tyler and I would say and kind of break it down in one-on-ones with all the youth during the course of those days. There's a child care team that's gonna, that comes and watches my kids so that I can do the thing that I have to do. And then there's 2,800 or so of you who are praying for us and paying for it and holding us up and cheering us on and clapping when the video comes up. There's just all these pieces that have to happen so that youth who are far from Christ would come to saving, life-giving faith in Jesus. That's just one event. That's just one ministry event that we do in the course of an entire year. And if all those ligaments are not playing their part, then we've got a real mess. We've got a body that doesn't move and operate the way that it's designed to do. Without ligaments, the body doesn't function. And so when you don't step into your calling to be used by God to export the power of the gospel and the risen Jesus to the world, the church doesn't operate at full speed. And Paul says here in this section, that's the goal. That's why I give you all these people so that they can build you up in the process so that the church can work out its full potential. So the mentality is not, what's the smallest percentage I can give? What's the the least amount that I can serve or contribute or do in this body? That is not the mentality that a ligament has. The mentality is, by the grace of God, I'm a part of the body of Christ. So I want to give as much to the household of God as Christ gave so that I could be a part of his body. That's the mentality that we are to have. Jesus is committed to building his church. Are you? He's the head of this body. Do you think Jesus is fired up about his body in the world? He's the head. You serving strengthens us, all of us. But, but it also strengthens you. The, the, the dad's crew thing that goes to summer camp is like a phenomenon like no other I've ever seen. And I, and I love it. I love, I love just how it operates. I love all the guys do it. And when I go and talk to them, I mean, they like bust their tail for four days. And you go and you talk to them, and, and all they talk about is how much God is using it to change them. It's incredible. When I go pick my kids up from, from Sunday school here, I like to talk to their Sunday school teachers, and, and uh, I just thank them, and, and it's such a huge blessing for what, what you're doing, not only on the Sunday, but just kind of how you really do. You, you kind of help us as a family grow. You help my kids grow uh, in the Lord, and then they come back at me, and we're like, oh, I can't believe what a blessing it is for me. I can't believe how much I get out of it. When, when you serve, when you operate like you are supposed to as a ligament, it strengthens all of us, but it strengthens you as well. The body is built up by each one of us being prepared and equipped for what God has to do it. And the church succeeds when you and I mature and move on in life to attain the full measure of Christ in our lives. And, and, and that Romans 12 section, Paul says something really interesting there. He says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, which is just a great verse for us. 
But in this context, he says, think of yourself with sober judgment. And what he's doing there in the Greek is very interesting. He's basically saying, look, don't think about yourself too much. Don't make your life all about how much you think about your life. Instead, he says, think soberly or think safely about yourself. Build margins in your thinking about yourself so that you stop damaging yourself. Be realistic and thoughtful about who you are and who you're not and know that you are a small part of a big thing. Your little life was meant to be a part of a bigger life, a small story that fits into a bigger story, not a big story that fits into a small story. It's like this. Imagine that you are a pixel on a screen. So you got a big, kind of big screen TV, right? Like, so 60, 70 inch TV, right? And you are just one small pixel on that screen. And you're displaying a, a movie and you're able to see all the people that are viewing that movie. And it's entertaining and they're laughing and they're engaged. And you, as this little pixel on the screen, you start to think, I am, I'm killing it right now. I'm awesome. This is, this is awesome. And so you, as that one pixel on that giant screen displaying something to the audience, you, you think, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this a little better. And then you start to flare up and you try to make yourself get brighter and brighter and brighter. And if you've ever had a pixel go out on a screen, you know that's what they do right before a pixel goes out. And you flare up and then you start to distort the picture. And what Paul is saying is, look, you are a small part that fits perfectly in the picture. And when you try to stand out, you distort the picture. The promise of the church, the promise of the body of Christ is this, that you will grow up to be a part of a wonderful family that has a place for you a family that stretches around the world, a family that stretches through all time, a family that will give you a place to serve so that even the tiniest, smallest thing that you do will be considered massively important by God and be used for great things. And so there's two questions as we leave. Um, something to think and something to do. The first thing to think is, what if you believed that that was true about the body of Christ? That what Paul has laid out here. What if you actually believed that? What if you actually lived like that was true? How would that change your perspective? How would that change your engagement in the church? And then the second question is something to do. Where and how will you participate in what God is doing in and through his body, the church? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us. Um, God, in this letter from the Apostle Paul, God, that, that is just as relevant today to our church here in Gilbert as it was to your church there in Ephesus. And God, I pray, um, God, just for your grace and God, for your mercy, um, God, and that we would not just be people who hear these things, but God, that we would be people who do what your word tells us to do. God, I thank you for the opportunity, the responsibility God, the gift that it is to be a ligament in your body for your glory and for your name. Jesus, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.